0: What's going on, everybody? It's Josue Pavone. You know, getting this sit-down with Cedric Maxwell was a lot of fun. Um, I got this feature I'm putting together, talking about his book, uh, If These Walls Could Talk. And uh, we did this at the farm in Beverly Hills. Now, this is a special spot that uh, Max likes to go to every time he's in town. And uh, the Celtics on the verge of uh, a back-to-back set against the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers. I got a chance to uh, have a sit-down with him and and here's most of our conversation uh, in this episode. Uh, it's going to feel like you're sitting at the table with us, all right? But trust me, it's worth it. It's a great conversation.
1: The big girls love that. Chicks love the last shot opportunity. Somebody, give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth. Ah.
0: Yo, right, this isn't a podcast. Right? I want you to just be kicking, we chilling. Okay. All right. This is you. This is you seeing me and my reporter element putting this okay. feature together. All right? Okay. A let's two-parter.
1: Do let's do it. You, you in L.A. How How's it feel? When was the last time you was out here? Great. L.A. You know, with this place called the Farm, man. I love this place. So you been here. here for like a ten yeah. years? I like, do. We on we on Rodeo Drive. I hit on Rodeo oh, Drive. No. We're in Beverly Hills. Yeah. It don't get no better than this, man. I mean, this is uh, back in Boston right now. It's probably in the high 30s, and we're out here. We just sweater on. The sun is shining. It's supposed to be close to 80 degrees today. What where, where, where problem do I have? You still think about the robbery when you come out here? Is that part of it? I do. And, and you know, one of the funniest things that ever happened to me was actually here where we were. Um, I was actually in Beverly Hills, and there was a Laker fan. And you'll see these, occasionally you'll see these. It's really, I guess I could say it You see these all these uh, cars coming down the street And they are uh, Like they're looking for sightseeing Sightseeing trucks Right. So this guy comes up to me In a, a Beverly Hills thing And I'm in Beverly Hills He comes up, he's a Laker fan he's like, oh my god Cedric Maxwell uh, As soon as he says that He says, can I take a picture with you? I said, yeah, sure you can take a picture with me all of a sudden, this sightseeing thing comes up with all these people who were from Japan. <laughs> the double decker and, yeah, the no, and they see buzzing. me and they just uh, take a pictures. <laughs> it's like don't even know who I am. <laughs> like, it was just so funny, but
0: LA is kind of like this. It's a it's a completely different environment out here. Yeah, because not like Celtics fans, right? Like if it was, if things were reversed. And you are one of those like LA Lakers walking around Boston. It's a different perception, no? Well, the thing about it, in LA, everybody's
1: famous. Yeah. So nobody trips with the thing about how we walk around mm. in Boston. Everybody's like, oh my God, that, you know, there's a Celtic, there's a Patriot that those people walk around here in LA, which I found to be fascinating when I was with the Clippers. I realized it because when I was on the East Coast any place I go on the East Coast people come up to me oh, oh my god what's yeah, Maxwell. what's up what's going on I got here and, and playing with the Clippers I was at the mall people walking around walking by me like I was a, a sign out there <laughs> I'm like whoa whoa wait a <laughs> minute I'm famous here but you're not famous only a couple of people you stop stopped for like Magic was one of the people that people stopped for I'm sure when Shaq was going the way he was going Kareem but for the most part they're they're people. They're used to seeing people walk on the beach. They're used to seeing all these famous actresses. Whereas you and I see them, we go, oh, that's uh such and such." But yeah. we don't. They don't even trip with it out here. They're so, so used
0: it, to it. It's it's a different different environment out here. I'm always thinking I'm gonna run into like a like someone who had like a minor role in some show that I used to watch. And be oh, like, you will. Yeah,
1: because you could you do that. You can do that with the person that is waiting on our table right now they will tell you well I'm just doing this for the time being until you know my acting thing gets <laughs> going and that so you will hear people say that you know that that are just regular people and you'll say oh oh, you're in what yeah I'm in the such just movie or, or I was an extra so it, it, it is it is
0: completely different when you think about leaving Boston and coming here a complete different environment was it a bit of a culture shock you know joining the Clippers and coming into this brand new environment it, being it, in LA
1: it was completely different in the sense that you know I was with the championship Celtics and the thing that for me more than anything was that I, I told people I said "We." I think in the, at the time there were 26 teams in the league I got booed in every arena except one and that was in Boston. Uh, when I was with the Clippers, they introduced me to the home game. Ooh! It was so funny. I'd be like, "Bring it on, bring it on!" <laughs> it was, so you would wave your hands like, "Come yeah, on!" Yeah, yeah. And my, all my teammates they, they loved it. They just laughed because you know I was—I was a I hated Celtic playing here in Boston, playing here in LA, and uh, people didn't like that.
0: Yeah. No, right. But
1: I found—I found it really—I found that you know with some strange bedfellows like. I got to be, got to know Denzel, watched him pretty good. Penny Marshall was always at our games. She would talk to me. All these different people who were L.A. who weren't particularly Lakers fans would come to our games. And uh, with the Clippers and Norm Nixon, his wife Debbie Allen, she was doing different worlds, and so I met that
0: cast and. It was uh, it, it was It was really cool Yeah too. you talked about that In your book Just getting together With people like that yeah. And seeing different You know celebrities Come through And come and shake your hand That must have been So different compared to Boston
1: It is I mean Boston Everybody's uh, Not not to be Bad about Boston Everybody's You know Joey or, or Billy From the You know From the Southy or from I a mean, or or whatever they were working guys. I'm from Roxbury. I'm, I'm, I'm from Dorchester, man. Yo, yo, man. Matter of use, fact, and I loved it. my my line for Boston people all that time was "Use guys, wow. use, really? use guys gonna win the league, <laughs> use guys, not you guys, <laughs> use guys." So the environment was uh, was 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 really different, and and you think about being in in L. A. First of all, just to get to the arena. Uh, I lived out of Dallas Verdes, which is about an hour from here so my commute on a game day was like about four hours I would drive in drive out on a shoot around go back home then drive back in then drive back out Damn. I was on the road for like four hours it was like uh, a four hour trip so you everything so far uh, right? other thing, things things about LA you, you have to put that in your scheme of things the content's about you know just driving right if these walls could talk, why is it so important for
0: you to put this book out? Why now, actually?
1: Uh, I don't even know why now. Uh, you know, people have talked to me about that. You know, uh, Mike Eisenberg, he was the Did guy who actually actually yeah. talked to me about it. And, uh, you know, we just, you uh, know, I just, he he said, you know, do you want to write a book? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know, man. And was then this? probably we just decided, and you know, it was about... Probably like last year and during the pandemic, you know, I had time just to reflect and talk about different things.
0: It was, it was fun. Did you feel like it was sort of like a, I don't know, like reading, reading through it, I can't help but wonder if this is like a, a therapeutic process for you. You know, obviously reliving your great basketball career and putting it all together. And now you're in the middle of another career, right? you got a broadcasting career that you've been doing the last 20 years. We'll get into that a little bit later. But just talk to me about... Like what that was about, what that was like, reflecting on everything that you went through and putting it and seeing it all on It paper. was uh, therapeutic because
1: you forget so many things and then you start adding in things. And like, oh man, this happened and that happened. I forgot about that and I forgot about this. And, and then you start, man, I have a lot of stories that actually came together and were just, just things I remembered, and things I laughed about. You know, some things were... Somewhat painful, some things were just funny as hell. Mm-hmm. So, and you have a tendency to highlight all the good stuff. And then the really bad stuff, you highlight that. But all those things are in between, they just got, they're getting into a shade of gray that you forget about until you start talking about it again, going, oh man, I
0: remember, oh, I forgot about that, or I forgot about this, and so, yeah. What were some of the things that that popped up? Well, actually, you know what? No, before you answer that, let me let me ask you this. Because for me, it would always be how much do I want to hold on to, right? Did you did you find yourself in that position where you're like, ah, I don't know if I want to tell this story or should I tell this? Did you, was you were you doing that throughout this whole process? I think there's only one story that I did not
1: go into fully, and it was a story about a um, young lady in Charlotte. Who, um, so I had her child and the woman was and that was 40 years ago and she just talked to me about two years ago saying I had this child I didn't go into details on who it was and it would be fascinating if I ever told exactly who she was and what she did for a living and you people be like wow what a connection so there are things that yeah, I didn't talk about. so yeah. Hey, was, have a free fry.
0: <laughs> Since we just being boys, you we feel, talking. What are you feeling? Guilty, Max? You, wish you, you want to eat up all these fries? Appreciate no, it. I, I think I was feeling about...
1: The story on her is... I met the young lady who she said was my child. And she was really cool. She was really cool. And I did not want to put her in the position of explaining different things. I just didn't, didn't want to do that. But if, if that story ever comes out, like some of my friends know the story in Charlotte. But if it ever came out, man, that would be, it would be, it would it'd be a, it'd blow the roof off of it. You still keep in contact with her? The young lady in the book claimed that I had, I went to school with, claimed that I had Got her pregnant. Right. And she told me about a young lady who was... Who she told was... She told the, the girl who found her that end up being her mother, being her, her child. She told her that I was her dad. She said, do you know who my dad is? She's like, yeah, absolutely, 100%. And when it was 100%, and she showed him on the basketball game, right? No, she actually just told me who I was. And so... And the girl said, Are you sure? She's like, Absolutely, hundred percent. Well, she was hundred percent wrong because it came down came back 0.0.0. 0. 0. Oh, she so went. you actually got the test and yeah. sure. gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Did that part make you not want to put it in the book even more or was that just No, it was more about the young lady that I met. Okay, gotcha. She was really cool and I I
0: respected the point of her privacy. Okay. What was something that you that you shared that, that you were a little hesitant in? Was there anything? Something that made it in the book? Um, I think that probably a
1: little hesitant about the apology to my teammates talking about me playing and how I was hurt. Didn't know I was hurt. Right. I mean, didn't know how to handle being hurt. I'd never experienced that before as a pro and Maybe it's not handling the right way because I'm happy-go-lucky. Happy-go-lucky doesn't get, off, get sad all of a sudden. Right. And I was still happy-go-lucky even being hurt. So it came across to so some people I really didn't care about playing anymore. When all And that's what disappointed me more than anything, when
0: all of them knew that I was one of the most competitive guys they'd ever been around. So that was very disappointing. This episode of the Causeway Street Podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all your sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is your fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. I like the part of the book where there's one passage where you talk about how someone like Larry Bird would go 100% every single game every night, and that was impressive. But at the same time when there were the big games, you know, you your teammates knew to expect that same sort of effort from you. Even though maybe it may not be like that through all eighty two games throughout the course of the regular season. They
1: knew that I have another gear. Exactly. Yeah. As you put it right. And because, you know, you have another gear and it's not being lazy, but that was the amazing thing about Larry is the fact that he could play the same way against every team. Hard mm-hmm. every single single moment. Right. Whereas that wasn't in my DNA, and for the most part, it's not in every player's DNA. Right. There are big games. Everybody doesn't play like Marcus Smart in every game. Right. Whereas other guys have a tendency to step down or step up, and I could get, I could step up and play the big games.
0: I'm going to read this passage from your book. Bird was the greatest player I ever played with. He and I were. One of the best forward combinations in the NBA. We weren't the best of friends, but we were basketball friends. That's the best way I can put it. We loved the game, and our competitive juices made each other better. We'll talk about that passage from your book—the friend, the basketball friendship between you two, between you and Larry Bird. And how did you? How did it make you better? And how do you think it made Larry a better player? Well, I think just what
1: we did, um, in the sense that playing with Larry was. He didn't have to play that like that on the defensive end mm-hmm. because that was my I was that was my given assignment. I did not want it, but that's what Bill Fish gave me. Cause you're
0: guarding the better the best he players. Told the every, the best he told me every
1: every night you're gonna guard, and that was just tough for me to hear. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm a lover. I'm not a fighter. I mean, <laughs> whoa, dude! I'm averaging 19 points a game. I don't need to be doing all that defense. But he told me that. Like the first day of like the one of the first days of practice came up to me and told me that. I was like, Whoa, I was I was blown away. I was scared my like what? Whoa, wait. Yeah, a but man. you weren't scared against New York when you're going up against Bernard. But back then I, I had already acclimated to that. Oh, okay. That was my second year in the league. Gotcha. And then by the time I was going up against Bernard King, that was my eighth or ninth year in the league. So
0: I was you complete. were battle tested by that. Yeah, yeah,
1: I thought yeah, I already did. I already I already did what I need to do. Right. So, but so yeah, I mean, that is, that's one of those crazy things you look at and you're going, okay, this is what I want to do or this is how I'm playing and right. wrong. So, I think it's a, it's a really different feel when you think about playing it that way. Right. But, so far as the comment, is, Larry and I didn't have, we had nothing common Other than, I don't know if we were human beings. We yeah. yeah, had yeah. I like how you bad.
0: put it. Like he, he drank, he drank beer with uh, what was it, uh, with Quentin Buckner and, and Rich yeah. Roby. Yeah. And you kicked it with Emocar and Robert Perry.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. I, he drank beer. I drink sodas. He drank
1: liquor. I, I ate popcorn. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. That wasn't me. Right. His world of, of doing things is completely different than mine. Uh. I mean, I'm sure that Larry liked him. Fish and hunt and all that kind of... That wasn't me. I mean, I was... I wanted to know about political
0: events and politics and, and world views. That wasn't Larry. Do you think maybe if he knew you better, he wouldn't, he wouldn't go to the assumption thinking that you quit on the team? No, 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 no. I don't,
1: I don't know. Again, I think that's just how it came across. I think it just... It was just translation which came across that the way I was acting, it seemed like I didn't. Mm-hmm. And when... I, I, and I fought myself for that, you know. But I can't fault what my personality is. My personality isn't isn't like, woe well, is me. I'm not a celebrity. I'm a happy-go-lucky person.
0: So it was it was it was a different feel for me. Talk about the 1984-85 uh, season, because you talk about. Uh, from, from your book It sounds like a Lackluster job Of, of, of your physical before the, before the start of the season And then by February You know um, You start to feel a Different pain in your In, in your ankle and that, that's what, I mean excuse me In your knee and That sort of changed everything um, yeah. yeah We had just
1: won The championship And then by I was sort to of feel Pain in my knee Almost before the season Really In the 84th And Um didn't really think of it no more than just regular aches and pains and stuff And one day I thought it was really different was the night I was in bed, I was asleep, and all of a sudden I turned and I heard somebody scream. It was like in pain. I'm like, damn, who's that? And realized it was me. Because when I had turned my knee, I ended up finding out later that part of the uh, the tear of the, the ligament on the inside actually got caught in the bone. And with, it actually was a ta- it would tear like mm-hmm. you tearing paper, mm-hmm. and uh, oh man, it's just so painful. And that's when I really knew I was hurt. Man, I think the big thing the doctors didn't think I was hurt because my knee wasn't swelling up because I didn't I didn't swell. Yeah. So therefore, it was like, well, maybe it's just in your mind. And I knew it wasn't, and it was just hard to get anybody to believe me.
0: That was that was, that was frustrating. There's no like. X-rays, it's so different, right? Like nowadays, it would just be so on the forefront, or yeah, would have been would have been picked up before the start of the season, right? Yeah, like mean, MRI, yeah, MRI, MRI would have had that yeah. done,
1: whatever. But because of that, didn't have an MRI, nobody knew at that time.
0: Max doesn't want to play for us anymore. Period. Larry, I don't know if he'll own up to it now or not. All I know is he said it, and that's all I can tell you. Now that said. He defends Max to the death today. That was from Bob Ryan. Um, talk about this conversation you recently had with Larry Bird. What was that like? It was simple. We didn't talk about too many things. We we talked
1: about other things about how we play together and who he was and who I was and how I was doing. And, you know, it wasn't anything to do with anything to do with uh, you know the past the basketball stuff. You know, it was just pretty much lackluster. I think at the very end. I didn't want to play because it was just a lot of media stuff going on talking about me and what I did and how he didn't want to play and I think Red made it Red just made it to a point where it was like look and, and for me it was like okay I knew it was at the end just go ahead and trade me mm-hmm. okay I'm, I'm good with that you know we had a great life. that's what I think about relationships be all combative like, oh my god you know worst record oh you had a great time some great things that went on in your life. And um, we had a great
0: relationship. Eight years,
1: one mm-hmm. multiple championships.
0: I was gonna say, you know what's the testament to that? When you went back for Larry Bird night. talk about yeah. that and the emotions that you that, that you went through after all those years of not going back to Boston, after you told yourself you would never go back. Yeah. Talk about that day they, they coming asked, back to the garden. They
1: asked me to come back for Larry's retirement, and I was debating whether I should or not. I didn't. I was up in the air. I mean, but, and then I was like, "Okay, hey, I'll come back." And then they were talking to all the players, and, and um, then they were talking to Bill Fitch, and then they did Nate Archibald, and it was Bob Costas was the That's MC, right. yeah, yeah. and Bob looks at me and finally says, "Max, welcome back to the Garden, welcome back to Boston," and uh, the crowd just went crazy, and it was uh, that was it was really amazing. it. it, it it surprised me with the emotion that was that came over me at that point uh, and it really showed the appreciation that I had from and not only from from the fans who stood up and gave me a standing ovation but also from my teammates who were there who understood kind of what I went through and, and Robert Parrish in particular when I think of him you know because uh, Robert Parrish said hey
0: you know you to know, sorry Robert
1: Parrish yeah. said I got fucked without some moon." <laughs>
0: So, <laughs> which made the book, by the way. Yeah, I love yeah, that you put yeah, that in the I book. That's the <laughs> <a> Nick <Johnson laughs> effect right there. Because you can hear his bass in his voice going, Max got a book. <laughs> <laughs> so it just, it's
1: just one of those things that, to me, it is just really funny when you think about you know that. So I, I just kind of laughed. But, you know, it was, um, yeah, that was just a, an emotional, emotional. Thing that happened for me, I was I was very surprised that the fans were gave me a stand ovation. I was just surprised that my teammates gave me a stand ovation, and, and they literally just stopped. People just stopped, and they they stood and they clapped in unison, like when he said, "You know, Max, welcome back to Boston. How's it feel to be back?" And literally everybody stood up, and it was like it. It vindicated me in the sense of you know how I had played and what I had meant for this team.
0: Do you think part of you felt like it was a moment in your life where you, were like, you could kind of take a sigh of relief? Yeah,
1: yeah. they did. You just took a, a deep breath. You let their love rain on you. And then I had to get back to talk about the Larry Bird... Uh, Rat, uh,
0: his uh, the retirement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah the gift. It, yeah. And, that uh, was hilarious the way you put that together. So I think you didn't even know what it was. No. That wasn't me. Yeah, but how funny is that? Though? Yeah. Like, everyone knows, you know, it's not like you bought it yourself, but it was for you to say it, it was such a max thing to do. <laughs> and it was well received. Everyone cracking up. I don't... What? I don't even know what this is. <laughs> what is this thing? <laughs> what is it? See? That's the comic relief that never goes away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like that goes... Like that's what resonates with people, and it came all at once with the crowd and everything in that moment. I thought that like, was special. What is it? You, you,
1: you don't know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like I'm loving and watching my buddy, good Nick Joseph, just having
0: a, a ball over here eating this French toast right now. He's, he's like a hero. This he's like like the first time he's eating. Back yeah. home it's like three o'clock. It is the first time he's eating today.
1: It did right now. He's like. He'll tell me later on, you will be like, oh, my God, I have fringe, that French toast you had. I'm not talking
0: about that. <laughs> Yo, and and like I told him,
1: that French toast, is
0: the best. Nick, what did I say on the way over here? I said, don't be a distraction. Be a distraction. Max, no. can't stop looking at you.
1: But I'm not. <laughs> 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 but he's just, he just looking right at me. He's looking at my face. He just smiling the whole time. Like,
0: what is he about to say? He's <laughs> yeah. front row seats in this and interview.
1: He, and the thing Exclusive about this is really down. funny about it is. He's heard every one of these yes, stories. But it just like goes right back again and never starts, gets open. He starts giggling again like a like a schoolgirl. <laughs> <like, "Wow." laughs>